Welcome back, everyone. Episode 63 of the Hockey House Podcast presented by Optimex Sports. I'm your host, Mackenzie Murphy, joined alongside by Stephen Glick and our executive producer, David Herman, as we bring you all the latest news from around the ACHA and the CHF offseason. We took a little bit of a hiatus, a couple weeks off. I'm in the middle of finals week. I don't know about Glick right now. We'll get to him soon. But any background noise at all is uh, courtesy of the Syracuse Hockey Boys there in the living room of the Hockey House, catching up on all the playoff action. I'm a little bummed right now. The Bruins officially down 0-2 to the Hurricanes. Not looking good for the, the boys in black and gold, but Glick, we'll throw it over to you first. I have finished finals. I finished you know a couple days ago, but that's not really the biggest thing that's happened the past two weeks. Biggest thing with Temple Hockey is our coaches resigned this past Monday. You know, I wake up, I'm done all my finals from the night before. I submitted my last final paper and I get a text from my coach that he has decided to resign, follows it up with an email. You know, we've been talking with him as a team over the course of the past month or so. We knew it was the end of his contract year and he was deciding if he wanted to come back or not. And he decided he did not want to come back for both personal reasons and because he felt it's best for the team if they resign. Right after that, I find out that I am the president of the hockey team. I mean, I don't really blame our past president for not wanting to deal with that. But I had to get the rest of my officers going, pick out who else is going to be on the e-board and kind of figure out where we're going from there. And that's just been a crazy, that's just all I've been doing the past 72 hours. Well, welcome to the club. I'm I'm sure that you'll find out pretty quickly, but the job description looks enticing. And then the minute you get the job, you're like, oh my gosh, like there's a million things I didn't account for that I have to do. Like maybe go find the next head coach for Temple Hockey as, as I did last year at Syracuse. But I would say there's no job more rewarding or, I mean, it's going to look great on a resume. The things that will get thrown at you in this position, you'll, you'll quickly learn. You learn to become pretty flexible and deal with any situation. So I'm sure you're going to do a great job. And, and I hope that your your resources and things you've learned with the Hockey House help you along the way. Yeah, it's definitely a bit of a baptism by fire, but I'm definitely really excited to take on this challenge. I have a great group of guys who are going to be helping me out. So I'm just really excited. So does this mean uh, in keeping with Hockey House tradition, Temple is going to lose their logo? Glick is going to start making media appearances? Murph, you you can give them some solid training on that, right? Yeah, no. If you need to uh, find the password to your team's Gmail account or order new jerseys or like Herm mentioned, go on ESPN Philly and talk about how you can't use the logo anymore. Um, I'd be more than happy to give you some tips or tricks on that. You're going to be the first person I call if I need any sort of presidential assistance. Awesome. Well, Herm, we just heard from you, but what have you been up to the past couple days other than staying up well past midnight to watch your team lose to a cold goalie? That's not nice, Murph, but okay, sure, I'll get into it. The Bruins are down 0-2. I'm handling it. You guys are only down one game at this point. I hope you had spicy pork and broccoli for dinner. And (laughs) sorry, I'll stop there. Marf, you know that's not gluten-free. The the soy sauce probably wouldn't agree with me. Well, for one, games should have been over in regulation. I'm not going to dive too deep into that. But two, three overtimes is nothing. Because Murph and I sat through five with UCO and Iowa State. And I did five with Lindenwood and Iowa State. I was watching the game with uh, my dad, my younger brother, Alex, and Charlie Nadell. I was like, this is nothing, guys. Like, are, are you guys, t-? I'm looking over at them and they're like, they're fading fast. I'm like, you guys, you guys are tired? This is nothing for us right now. We're just getting into the groove with overtimes. This is nothing. 
I will say, triple overtime from the couch, a lot more manageable than triple overtime than standing on the balcony at Centene. Those feel like they take forever to go by. I will say the nice thing about playoff hockey and overtime, no commercial breaks. I feel like the periods just kind of flow. I'll let you chime in now before before I get going about playoff OT hockey. You're forgetting one crucial element of NHL playoff hockey that is a little bit different than ACHA hockey, and that's no sandstorm on every single penalty. I should bring it up. I, I went to my brother's wedding over the weekend, which is huge. Joe Murphy, the first of seven Murphy siblings to get married. They played Sandstorm, and my little brother Charlie, the youngest Murphy, he's 11, threw on a Merrimack College hockey jersey because that's where my brother Joe and his wife Andy went to college. Threw on a Merrimack jersey. The beat drop of Sandstorm comes. We hoist him in the air. We're throwing him up and down. Uh, The photograph is great from this. But yes, I did hear Sandstorm this weekend, so I got my Sandstorm fixed. Unfortunately, we don't have that, though, in the NHL playoffs. Was that like a Murphy version of the horror? Yes, I I didn't want to say that, but I'm glad you brought it up. I I, I felt like it wasn't my place to say that, but it was the Murphy, the Merrimack College version of, of the horror with Sandstorm and Charlie wearing the Merrimack Warriors jersey. But I will say my productivity level has gone through the roof during the playoffs now because what happens is I sit down with my laptop in front of the TVs at seven o'clock at night and I sit there and I do work until the last game ends, which I mean, last night it was two in the morning by the time Calgary and Dallas wrapped up. So that that part I do enjoy. We got the double TV system going here at Ostrom. Uh, we just picked up another couch. So Herm, if you ever want to come stay with us, uh, you have another choice for a bed to sleep on. But yeah, it, it's been great so far. I, we haven't even touched on it. Fitzy's not here, but another thing that happened in the last couple of weeks is I got to see Fitzy play. And, and we'll dive deeper into that once he's on the show and we can kind of recap that together. But I mean, he is a fan favorite in Binghamton. The people in the concourse when I passed them had nothing but great things to say about them. It sounds like when Herm and I, when, when we were texting, it seemed like we had the same experience when we went to Binghamton in terms of uh, how much they appreciated Fitzy. Yeah, no doubt. Fitz is universally beloved in a way that I don't think I've ever seen from a minor league hockey team. And then to double down on the Fitz action, the next week was uh, $2 beers, dollar dogs at the Syracuse Mets. They played the Worcester Red Sox, the Woo Sox, who have Fitz's brother, Ryan Fitzgerald. And uh, we made some noise for him in the bleachers, and then he hit a homer, pointed to the Syracuse hockey section on his way around first base, and then gave us the, the finger point when he was heading to the dugout, too. So that was another really cool moment. He's in the same boat. He has the mullet. He's a fan favorite, and he was great for the guys. You got to talk about the brawl at that game, too, because you didn't even text us I, I saw it. That was at the same game, right? No, the brawl was the same day. That was the Portland Sea Dogs. That was the double A Red Sox affiliate who he was with last season. My family group chat was going nuts because we're big Portland Sea Dogs fans. But yes, minor league baseball brawl on the same on the same day. So good heads up. Glick started us off with a bomb there. I mean, we saw the post Temple Hockey looking for a new head coach. I, I mean, at least you can go advertise that on a, on a pretty good platform here. Yeah. Um. If anyone here listening knows any coaches in the Philadelphia area, tell them, please reach out to me at stevenglick at temple.edu. I guess we'll jump into the lead here. And the lead here is a little interesting tonight. Uh, We want to make a disclaimer before we begin that we are recording. It is now Wednesday, May 4th, around 1030. I was made aware of this news around nine o'clock. The news broke earlier today. Iowa State's men's club hockey program has been suspended indefinitely by the university. So I'll read the article that was attached with this and, and it's 
It's titled Cyclone Men's Hockey Club Suspended Under Hazing Investigation. This is reported by the Iowa State Daily. Pretty brief here, but Iowa State University is currently investigating multiple allegations of hazing and reported concerns related to Men's Cyclone Hockey Club. In response to the allegations against the club, Iowa State has suspended all of the men's team activities, including practice, meetings, competition, recruiting, and other activities. According to a press released Wednesday from the university, the university's investigation will focus on team hazing as well as the club's finances, organizational structure, and oversight by recreation services. Cyclone Hockey is not affiliated with Iowa State Athletics and is a club team, with a total of three men's teams. Once the investigation is concluded, Iowa State will work with team representatives on a plan to restructure the club to align with other sport clubs in recreation services. According to the release, the investigation of Cyclone Hockey is separate and unrelated to the university's ongoing health and safety review of all sport clubs and proposed recommendations for a club sport policy. This story will be updated with more information. So that's coming straight from Iowa State Daily. I guess the things that jump off the page to me, Herm, you and I talked about this. We were talking about in the group text, but no confirmation whether this is one team at Iowa State or if it is all three teams. Yeah, we're going to cut that. We just got a DM from a guy who said that the entire program is suspended. Okay. I mean, let's leave that in. Let's. Just, this is raw. We're getting information as we go. So all three teams, the entire program, and we've talked about this before, the entire program is basically run like a varsity JV and kind of freshman team. Like it's one head coach, an assistant coach. They have the same jerseys on all three teams. They very much operate as one program. If you actually go to the Iowa State Club Sports website, hockey has its own tab. They are almost their own entity at Iowa State. We did want to reach out and let guys know if they have any information about this. Send us a DM. We'd love to know more. We'll keep everything anonymous. Uh, If you'd like to leave a name, feel free to do so. This comes, I want to say last week I saw a TikTok and I wanted to put this out there and I think Herm is going to throw in the audio from it, but I had seen a TikTok about a player talking about a certain rookie party and I connected the dots and figured that he was at an Iowa State guy. We looked it up and he played D2 hockey at Iowa State so we wanted to throw that TikTok in here now so you can give that a listen. So when I was playing on the hockey team, we had this like rookie party where the rookies had to come with like white shirts and then they put a number like 1 through like 24 Mm -hmm. on your shirt and they were like, "All right, here's a list of like things you have to do in this party. It was like kiss a girl from Wisconsin, kiss a girl from Minnesota, kiss a girl from Iowa. There were a couple like other just like random like you know they were it was a party it was yeah. it was a little bit more raunchy it was kind of fun too mm-hmm. but one of them was to get a girl to give you their bra and the only way that you could get something marked off was if one of the older guys saw mm-hmm. it and then like signed your shirt for it mm-hmm. so you know i'm running around like i don't i don't think my goal is to win because some of them were kind of like a little much but i was yeah. just like ah, i'm gonna f- like do as much of the shirt as possible because yeah. it's yeah. kind of fun and so girls would literally come to these rookie parties and be like oh like we're gonna help them nice sort this all cool. out like it was, it was crazy college <laughs> come here my child come here my child but this girl comes up she's like oh like you're one of the rookies like what do you need and i was like i need i need a bra like can do you have a bra and she's like i don't have a bra on but i have nipple pasties and so i go up i go up to uh one of the veterans i'm like yo does this count and he's like i will count it if you take the nipple pasties and put it on the inside of your glasses and take a picture with her <laughs> So it's somewhere on my computer. I don't know exactly oh where. Oh my god! But there's a <laughs> photo of me just f-ing cheesing. I'm talking just. 
and then just with my glasses, nipple pasties on the inside, arm around this girl, and I think in the picture the girl's like giving me a kiss on the cheek. <laughs> and it is the funniest photo in the world. Yeah, Murph, I mean, I remember seeing that TikTok too on my For You pages completely separately. It's kind of crazy to think that that's now kind of related to this hazing allegation. Yeah, and we don't we haven't confirmed if it's related, but obviously you see a TikTok like that get 350,000 likes over a million views. I mean, it's it's hard not to imagine that that doesn't get put on the university's desk and be like, hey, what's going on with men's club hockey? It just goes to show you, I, I mean, same as what I said with uh, the Slippery Rock incident, but I mean, these big time universities, like they have no time for issues with club sports. It's not a varsity program. There's no money being put in. Like if there's problems, they're just going to cut it. We've seen it time and time again with club sports. Universities have no time for it and they're not going to put up with the stuff. And I guess the only benefit is, is it's off season right now, right? Like the season just ended. These guys are going under investigation. Hopefully this can all get cleared up by the time the guys go back to school in August. But man, this stuff is scary. And my heart sinks every time I see one of these press releases about a school going through this because look, as you and I mentioned, like we're presidents at our school. Like this is very real. We know what it's like dealing with the university, dealing with club sports. And, and you just hate to see teams go through this kind of stuff. Herm, if you want to chime in too at any point, feel free to do so. I don't want to get lost in the discussion here. No, I was just going to say, as I was doing my research on the story, one of the things I was just trying to see which news outlets were reporting on it. Literally, when you look up Iowa State hockey on Twitter, the last thing that's posted before all of the reporting breaks is a post from the Minnesota Moose announcing a kid's commitment. Like, I can't even imagine the whirlwind what kids looking to, to go to the program are experiencing right now. Like, you think you've got everything locked up you're you're committed to go to a school and a bombshell like this drops it it just must be a a a total nightmare right now for for recruits through connections that we do have at iowa state like i said we're recording this at 10 30 i first found out at nine o'clock but in the quick time before we recorded i was able to reach out to some guys who have some connections at iowa state and i just wanted to read off um it sounds like that the players wanted some sort of investigation from club sports about the program and that led to the school opening up an investigation um and now they are calling it a hazing scandal but the players involved are saying that no one was forced to do any hazing and it seems like there was some questions raised at a rookie party and I think that checks out with the TikTok that you guys just listened to sounds like a story has, has come out went viral on TikTok about a rookie party at Iowa State so it sounds like you know an investigation was being asked for and then maybe this TikTok came about and now it's just a perfect storm and man I, I feel for these guys I mean it's a, it's a top three program in the ACHA at the division one level they had three teams all three teams go to nationals and, and I mean it would be detrimental to the ACHA to see something happen here. We've called them a hockey factory on the podcast before and proudly labeled them that. And it's it's crazy to see all of this. Yeah. And like I said, I mean, this is something we didn't even have on our, no- on our notes earlier today when we were planning to record. We, we were joking that we were going to record at the end of the Bruins game, whether that went to multiple overtimes or not. That's what we were going to do and only needed regulation tonight. Hey, everyone. Herm here. It is currently Friday morning at just about 9.30 a.m. shortly before we send this off to be published. In the time that Murph and I have spoken about the developing Iowa State situation, we've gotten 
a plethora of DMs from anonymous sources close to the team and then individuals on the team. I just wanted to summarize some of the DMs that we've received. So from one anonymous source close to the team, if they were holding this across the ACHA, there'd be no college hockey programs. And that's in reference to how tame these allegations are perceived as being by the hockey team. Um, the background to all of this that that we've discovered is that Rec Services has been at odds with the program before, nearly shutting it down before the call was made to expand. And then this individual's quote, they're trying to paint the story of them, referring to Iowa State, being tarnished to justify their actions, referring to Rec Services, which at the end of the day is to convert it to a true student-run organization that doesn't have the staff or facilities that it has now. I think a lot of this is to justify an indecision that they've already made a long time ago. And from anonymous players, ever since I stepped foot into this organization, I have been welcomed and appreciated by everyone on this team. I experienced more hazing in a year of youth hockey than I have at Iowa State in my four years combined, referring to zero hazing at Iowa State. And then another player, if you ask me, I feel the school has had it out for us. They've told our head coach years ago that they were going to cut our program down to, to one team once he's gone. Since people started making noise regarding the coach, I figure at that point the school decided to blow this whole case up in order to get what they've wanted the last few years. But for what it's worth, no hazing had ever occurred within the Iowa State program, and my experience this year as a rookie was great. This story is developing, and we encourage any and all individuals associated with the Iowa State program to reach out to us directly. We will be reaching out to Rec Services shortly for a comment on their end. Wanted to change topics here. Uh, over the weekend, we had the Jog Prospect Showcase. We've worked hand in hand with Joe Caprio to you know help him promote that event. It sounds like it went off, and it was a great success once again. Herm, I'm sure you enjoyed it, but they had a photographer there, and it was great to see guys posting photos from the tournament. Uh, I loved getting the DM requests from guys who tagged us in the photos, repping the Hockey House. The Hockey House team was in white jerseys this year, and the previous year they wore gray. I know Optum X, our sponsor, also had a team in the tournament which was great to see love seeing the instagram post wanted to give a shout out to lucas hunton he had a post about skipping prom to go play in the jog prospect showcase so i thought that was great to not only skip prom but post the instagram picture wearing the hockey house jersey i thought that was great what are your thoughts on that glick that kid's gonna be a great acha player one day that's all i gotta say yeah i i definitely didn't skip prom for any hockey events but i only had one opportunity to go to prom i did skip spring fling my freshman year to go see Jack Eichel play in the Northeast Regional of the NCAA tournament in Manchester, New Hampshire against Minnesota Duluth, I believe. But that was the only time I skipped uh, a high school dance in favor of hockey. Did you have any experiences with that? I never skipped a dance for hockey. I mean, I didn't, I've skipped them, but not for hockey specifically. <laughs> All right. But yeah, like I said, I mean, the Jog Prospect Showcase, another great event for the ACHA and just legitimizing the product of the quality of, of college hockey that is offered by the ACHA. We saw 60 schools from the men's side. I believe there were some CHF teams included in that as well. 20 teams on the women's side went there as well. Joe let me know tonight that there was plenty of commitments too from this weekend. I saw Drury College was there. Uh, they're a new team in the ACHA. We touched on them last podcast. Oklahoma State was there, 
and I believe they signed guys to pen and paper, which was really cool to see on social media. Overwhelmingly, another great showing by the Jog Prospect Showcase, and that's Joe Caprio doing all the work to make sure that happens in Chicago. He wanted me to know that if anyone wants to contact him about coming to next year's event, you can reach him at jcaprio at blackhawks.com. That's jcaprio, C-A-P-R-I-O at blackhawks.com and he can get you all set or you can dm the account whatever's easiest for you really good to see that and and we had a blast being partnered with them for that event as well keeping it in illinois keeping it related to joe caprio we did have an update this weekend kind of came out of the blue but illinois had been doing a feasibility study to see if men's division one ncaa hockey would work at the university it sounds like this was very much in motion until the pandemic hit and today we received word the illinois athletic department is discontinuing the exploration of men's ice hockey in a statement from the director of athletics josh whitman opened it up by saying after more than five years of extensive evaluation and intense effort to generate interest and support we have determined that it is not viable to bring division one men's ice hockey to the university of illinois at this time he listed multiple reasons in the statement and he went on to say but i mean the biggest cost was they were going to build a new rink a new facility and the cost of that raised by 30 percent i mean pandemic didn't help everyone's hands were tied financially during this time and it just seems like bad timing the big pond will live on in the ACHA for years to come, but I, I know we're ACHA guys and we want to see the best for the league, but I mean, that would have been really cool having another team in the Big Ten. I mean, we've seen how successful Penn State hockey has been. The Big Ten is so competitive with Minnesota, Ohio State, Michigan. Um, it would have been a great addition to that, and that's definitely sad to see. Herm, any thoughts on on seeing the, that news come out? I think the interesting dark horse piece of this entire story was the clamoring for Nebraska to be the team in the Big Ten to make the jump to NCAA D1. That was really, really interesting. Yeah, that just came from a couple DMs, one worth sharing, but it sounded like maybe years down the road, the plan is for them to go ACHA Division One. I know that was a school that I actually looked at for a little bit because I was looking to play college hockey, was looking to major in advertising, and Nebraska was one of those schools that, that had both, and they have a rink on campus, believe it or not. I don't think a lot of people know that. Rink on campus... Uh, right next door to the football stadium. I want to say it seats a little less than a thousand, but bleachers on one side. But yeah, that was really interesting to see that. I guess they're planning on, like I said, making the jump to ACHA Division One, And I, I think you can make the case for a lot of those Big Ten schools to have hockey. I mean, Northwestern right there in Chicago would, would probably be pretty good. And I think Purdue would also be pretty good. Indiana, I'm sure Fitz could vouch that that would that would be a good place for college hockey. But thankfully, I mean, we have Illinois. I think that's a marquee team in the ACHA. Anytime you can have a team at the Division One level, uh, have a rink on campus and have no varsity component at their school, I think that makes the ACHA special. So we'll welcome Illinois back in with open arms. But it is a bummer to see that, that college hockey won't grow by another team anytime soon. Definitely a sad day. Did also wanted to give an update. We This is probably a story we can touch on in another episode just because we've talked about so much already. University of Proud men's hockey team announced that their head coach has resigned at the end of the season. This news broke on April 30th. I actually want to say it broke out a little bit before then, but it was added to the ACHA website on April 30th. But Jeff Heimel was the head coach of Providence and he stepped down at the end of the season. We did get a couple DMs about this situation at Providence. It sounds like funding was a question. It sounds like there wasn't much recruiting going on. It was The program wasn't where it used to be in years and it was starting to see 
see a decline. I know a couple of people reached out to us and gave us some contacts. That's just a situation we haven't quite explored as much as we want to. And we will do so in the coming weeks, but that's pretty big news. That's a pretty prominent team in ACHA division two, a team that, you know, is on their athletics website, pretty high profile job out West. Um, so we'll keep an eye on that situation, but uh, we do have some stick taps to give out. And I mean, in any other week, this would probably be the lead story, but Thomas Hodges, the former SMU goalie, came in as an e-bug for the Anaheim Ducks the other night in the last regular season game of the season. Um, he works as the emergency backup goalie for Dallas Stars home games. When both Stars goaltenders got hurt, uh, he came in relief to start the third period. As I mentioned, he played ACHA hockey in 2015-2016 for SMU. He's also served as an e-bug for the Allen Americans about five seasons ago in the ECHL. So he did have some experience coming in for relief. But believe it or not, at the age of 18, I believe, he found out that he was blind in one eye, had been playing AAA hockey up to that point, kind of took a break from hockey after that diagnosis, but came back and started working with a goalie coach. That's when he jumped on with SMU. That's when he kind of started becoming an e-bug for the Allen Americans and he worked his way up to to work for the Dallas Stars and he finally got a shot in the NHL the other day. This was a really cool story because he's obviously been the practice goalie for the Stars and you could see the emotions from the Stars players after the game. They ended up losing 4-2 to two, but the Stars players went over and even said good game to him which I thought was really cool to see. He ended up getting the third star of the game which was awesome. The e-bug stories are great and it seems like more often than not these guys played in the ACHA which is really cool to see. Glick, I you're the goalie on the show. I feel like you should chime in. Yeah, I mean, I feel like all ACHA goalies have two like bucket list items. Number one is to get into a goalie fight. And number two is just to be an e-bug in the NHL and just get a chance to, even if it's just play a couple of seconds or play a couple of minutes, just, that's just up there with some of the things all ACHA goalies can do. So, you know, big congrats to him that he was able to, you know, realize his dream of playing in the NHL. Glick, correct me if I'm wrong, but Temple almost had an e-bug, right? There was a guy who was working with the Flyers for a little bit, and then they tried to put him in the game, actually, but the refs didn't allow it because it was an emergency, right? Yeah, that's correct. Um, I don't really know too much about the story because this was, well, like a couple of years before I came, but I did actually meet his parents at a Temple game once, and they basically explained that the Flyers coach wanted to put him in because at that point the the you know the result of the game was set in stone it was like maybe like a couple seconds left in the game two goal lead or something and you know they wanted to put him in and the refs were assholes and said there was some rule that said they weren't allowed to change goalies so you know he, he got out on the ice and the refs told him to turn back around that was like a, an OG ACHA moment for me like I didn't really know what the ACHA was at that point but I just knew that this goalie for Temple was like almost in the game for the Flyers wanted to give some stick taps to George Mason Hockey. They earned a bunch of awards at the George Mason University Club Sports Banquet. They took home Coach of the Year. I'm gonna, Steve, I'm so sorry if I butcher your name here, but Coach of the Year, Steve Hajek. Player of the Year, Cameron Smith. They won the Community Impact Award and the Club Sport of the Year Award. I think George Mason definitely a program on the rise. I know they announced, I'm not sure if they actually did it yet or if they announced, they announced it definitely, but I know they're planning a huge locker room renovation at their arena. They're probably going to be a team to watch out for in the next couple of years, but good to see club sports, especially hockey teams winning awards like sports club sport of the year and community impact award those are definitely huge for the program as we mentioned before the importance of you know having a good reputation on campus those are two awards that can go very far and 
you know, help build the relationship with the university. Well overdue news. I think this came out right after we did our last episode. It might have come out beforehand, but maybe we were waiting for more awards to come out. But uh, Hockey House Pod All-Star and friend of the show, Kyle Hayden, received the 2021-2022 Men's Division II National Player of the Year Award in his sophomore season he compiled. A 21-3-2 record for the Marauders. His 1.7 goals against average was ranked number two nationally, while his .936 save percentage was number one in all of Division II. Second year in a row that that award has gone to a U Mary player. Uh, I mean, he was nothing but great to us. It, and I don't know, Herm, if your paths crossed with him while we were in St. Louis, but he was coming up. He, It was funny. There was a couple of interactions I had with Kyle. A couple of them were through the glass. A couple of them were in the stands. But the You Mary guys found themselves watching a lot of the action and were kind of following along with the Hockey House story physically. They were kind of going to whatever rink that I was in and covering it. So that was fun to interact with those guys. And like I said, when he took home the cup, uh, he was nothing but great to us afterwards. So. Want to give a shout out to, to Kyle and also a shout out to Hockey House All-Star Louis Shanks. He is rollerblading across the country. We talked about this before. We had him on the show. Um, he's starting out in LA and he's going to rollerblade to New York City. He is doing that in June. Um, so we are definitely going to have him on the show before that happens. Check in with him. But he, at this point, has a donation page for 10 for 10. That is the foundation that he's running for. And that is up in our link tree Head there for more information if you'd like to make a donation. Great guy, played at Missouri State, and now um, you know he's raising some money for a great cause that is close to his heart. Louis, you've got my word. If I'm in New York in June, I will be in Times Square for those pictures when you get there. Yeah, and, and I remember he, he very open. He wants as many people to rollerblade with him as he can, and I believe he's published his route that he's going to do. Last time we had talked, he was debating between two different paths to New York City at that point, but we are definitely going to have him on the show before he does this journey. Probably get him on afterwards too. He is a great guy, great personality. He played at Anna Maria and then he transferred to Missouri State. Nothing but good things to say about Louie and uh, we're really rooting for him and all of his training heading into that journey. Before we go, we are going to wrap things up. We won't do a post-game show here. We're going to dive right into the interview. It is a great interview that we have on tap, by the way. Uh, Herm and I had a lot of fun recording this one. But today, May the 4th, I wanted to quiz you guys on some Star Wars. Are you guys Star Wars fans? Do we have any Star Wars fans on the pod? I am not. I have not seen a single minute of any Star Wars movie, but I didn't know if either of you guys were in the same boat. I was pretty into Star Wars when I was younger, but not so much anymore. How about you, Herm? I'd say yes. The real person to ask on this is Alex Herman, who knows everything, everything Star Wars. The kid has an encyclopedic knowledge on it like you wouldn't believe. It's crazy how people have that too, because like I was sitting on the couch watching playoff hockey earlier and I'm writing the copy for these posts that we have going out about the Liberty Star Wars stuff because nobody does Star Wars better than Liberty does. I mean, just all the video content they get and, and the jerseys. But I was like, I was like, is this, am I wording this right? Like if I put this sound with this video, does that make sense? And they're like, no, 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 use the Mandalorian song. Like that would be a better fit for this song. Like don't use the Empire March. Like such nerds about it. It's not me. I, I don't have the time for the Star Wars movies and maybe I might get hate for that comment. But wasn't it was it Jordo that helped? Jordo, yep, Jordo was a help. Yep. Zarb was a help. 
and uh, Larks is a big Star Wars guy too. I'm a per- my personal favorite is the OG Liberty Star Wars jerseys, the uh, Rebel pilot ones with the white helmets, the orange jerseys. That was when they first went viral for the Force celebration. I don't think they've topped it since then. I do love seeing that they decorate the Zamboni. Herm, you're shaking your head at me. Are you a fan of the Darth Vader jerseys? I think we can agree the C-3PO jerseys stunk this year. It sounds like people weren't a fan of them. We posted them today. I, I don't know if Liberty Hockey is running out of Star Wars characters to make jerseys after. That seems like a champagne problem. We haven't even talked about the interview we have, and we'll preview it right now. We talked to the guys at Second String Leather, Zach Smith and Joe Messina. We met these guys at Nationals, ties to the ACHA, and a brand that pretty much every hockey player knows at this point. Both guys from Michigan. Really great show. Herm, I know you actually stuck around a little bit longer and talked to them than I did because I had some work to submit. Thoughts going into the interview. If you're not familiar with Second String Leather, you need to be familiar with Second String Leather. This brand is a must know, a must follow, and a must buy. Yeah, and Glick, as a goalie, I'm sure you've heard heard of these guys, Second String Leather. I mean, I know her mentioned that Alex is a big fan of them. I mean, they great stuff. And and I I said right away, I was like, I'm not a goalie, so but I love your stuff. And they were like, we have stuff for everybody and perfect stuff for for giving gifts for hockey players. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty familiar with the company and a lot of the stuff they do is really cool. It's a super unique idea for sure. So I'm very excited to be listening to this. Without further ado, we'll turn that over to you guys. Interviews once again presented by Optimex Sports. Optimex Sports provides teams the opportunity to build and manage their own website. The best part, your first year is free now is the time to act on this sign your team up like i said first year is free be sure to check them out using the link in our bio and if you're interested in signing up use our referral code let them know that you're signing up because you heard about it on the hockey house you can use the link optimxsports.com slash sign up slash hockey house pod and they will get you all set up I want to say Canisius was the most recent team to sign up. Uh, so that was really good to see. Without further ado, you'll hear from us next week. We'll turn it over to our interview with Second String Leather. We're pleased to be joined by the guys from Second String Leather Company, former Davenport D2 ACHA goalie and current Bandits goalie school and Hope College goalie coach Zach Smith, as well as former SUNY Brockport standout goalie and national championship goalie coach at Davenport and Aquinas, Joe Messina. Guys, welcome to the Hockey House. Thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having us. Did we get all the notes there? I did I did my best on the, the Bandits Goalie School website. That's a great little intro. Yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Without a doubt. <laughs> we'll jump right into it. I guess the whole reason we're here is we got the chance to catch up with Zach at, at the national tournament, and we were able to to kind of introduce each other then. Zach, how's the off-season going for Hope College? I know it sounds like some big celebrations going on. I saw the school selling some championship merch. It must be a fun time in Michigan. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're still partying, being back-to-back, and I would say three championships within four seasons, seeing COVID cancellation, what, like two years ago? So it's great just getting everything uh, in order and hopefully get sized up for some rings soon. I happen to see the the photo on the Hope College Friday beers account of, I think it was a baby that was in the trophy. Any comments on that one? Uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was my little girl. <laughs> That's baby, sure. baby number three. <laughs> yep, baby, baby number, number three. three. Yep, so yeah, that was a little shindig that we had um, outside the hotel there with with the boys and uh, the parents and we were all just hanging out and celebrating. So yeah, it was, it was a good time. 
Herm, that could have been us at that at that tailgate party. We were invited during the first intermission of the national championship game. They said, win or lose, we're still going to have a tailgate. Should have came. You beat me to it, Murph. I was going to say, like, <laughs> I feel like we really, really missed out on this one. Yeah, that was uh, it was a fun time. We were actually going to head home that night. One of the moms, Robin, was like, we have an extra room. Just stay. And we're like, oh, man, well, I'm. Our daughter has a doctor's appointment at two o'clock the next day. We're like, all right, we'll stay the night and we'll get up at five and book it home. So we made it with five minutes to spare. So one of your other kids, was he the one walking around the concourse with the, the goalie helmet? Yep. That was, uh, I'm sure they both had the goalie helmet on. The, the team actually got it for him, I think, like two or three years ago when everybody signed it for him and Christmas all that Christmas. stuff. So yeah, that was pretty cool. So and we'll kind of jump into it now too while we're on the topic of what's happening now. But you guys are getting ready for a new collection drop coming up, right? Yep. Absolutely. Collection 11. And what, what can people be on the lookout in uh, collection 11? This is the first time we actually have gotten into uh, Bauer goalie pads. So we have uh, several sets of Bauer goalie pads, one from uh, the Minnesota Wild, another one from University of Michigan. The graphics on these Bauer, like with this digital print is awesome. To how it's correlated into our wallets is going to be really uh, eye-catchy. Game changer. Yeah, it really is to be honest with you. The leather was really good to work with. They're going to be not just pleased, but like just from a visual and like construction standpoint, it's like next level for us. So we're sort of excited to get these out. We'll start dropping some wallet teaser photos in the next couple days, but the launch, we're scheduling it for uh, May 6th, which I believe is next Friday. Awesome. We'll make sure the guys are on the lookout for that. And we'll kind of dive into the story of of how Second String Leather came to be a little bit later on. But Mm -hmm. let's kind of go back to your playing days. We'll start out with Joe. Why don't you take us through your, you know, your path to college hockey. It's not very often we get non-ACHA players on, but you did have the the chance to play Division Three hockey at SUNY Brockport. What kind of led you to playing in upstate New York? You know, I, I grew up playing in uh, Detroit, played AAA hockey. Uh, I played for the Detroit Falcons. From there, I ended up going to Wisconsin to play my midget major year for the national select team. When I was there, I got recruited by Shattuck St. Mary. So I did play at Shattuck for a season uh, on the prep team. Obviously, everyone knows about Shattuck St. Mary's and the the type of program that is, and it was everything that it lived up to be. I, I played there before, you know, before Crosby, for, before some of the bigger names obviously rolled through there. But at the time, like Ty Conklin, he's retired now from the National Hockey League, but he was the goalie there. He moved on. To, I think he may have played like at UNH or I forget which NCAA D1 program, but I, I backfilled him on the prep team. It was awesome. I mean, we were playing in the USHL. We were playing in the Saskatchewan Junior League. We were, I mean, we were playing in the Minnesota High School League, but we got kicked out because we were scoring like 10, 12 goals a game. I mean, our team was stacked. We had probably 15 NCAA D1 players on that roster, a few NHL players, Ryan Malone. So Bugsy Malone, he was on that team. Uh, ben and Patrick Eves. It was stacked with talent. So from there, I ended up, you know, this was pretty much pre-internet <laughs> and cell phones back in, you know, 97. So my coach actually at Shattuck knew some of the coaches in the SUNY League. And my coach, Brian Riley at Shattuck, ended up moving to West Point. So he actually still coaches at West Point. But his good friend out east was Brian Dickinson, who actually still coaches 
coaches at SUNY Brockport. So he got me in touch with him and one thing led to another and ended up at Brockport. It was awesome. It was it was good four years of college hockey. And then once that ended, I, you know, I, I, I didn't really have a desire to move on after that just because I moved away when I was 16 years old to, to play in Wisconsin. So, I mean, from 16 to, I mean, I was probably living on between living in Wisconsin, Minnesota, four years of college. I was gone for six, seven years outside of Michigan. So I was like, I, I just want to come home. I'm, I'm done playing sort of end of my road. It was sort of fun how you know everyone has like their hockey journey and how it's unique and whatnot, but it's, it's still cool to, to these days being able to connect with some of my guys, you know, via Facebook or just being in Michigan, a hockey hotbed. You get to run in some of the guys that you, you sort of grew up playing with since it's always fun to connect with those guys. I can only imagine like back in the late 90s, like those SUNY schools, you were probably playing in front of some, some pretty packed barns. What were some of your favorite rinks to play at and maybe some fans that were known to heckle the oh, goalies pretty good? Plattsburgh, without a doubt. I mean, you're, you're in front of 8,000 just going crazy in Plattsburgh. Oswego, I, so I played in the old Oswego barn before they moved to the newer building. Uh, so the, I don't know if you've ever seen the old Oswego building. It was like literally like an airplane hangar. It was like a half dome, loud. I mean, that was my first, well, my first college start was in at RIT against Cortland. But my first like legit, that was like a, I don't know, like a start of the season showcase. But my first legitimate start was in Oswego, rookie, packed house. I mean, I'm getting like pennies thrown at me and I got hit with a battery. I'm like trying to tell the referee, I'm like, a guy just threw a battery at me. He's like, you didn't get hit. I'm like, it's in the corner of the, it's in the corner. I just got hit with a battery. Yeah, I mean, I was getting heckled as a freshman in, in Oswego. But, you know, I, I look back and it was, those are the things I remember. I, I can barely remember the game, but I, I can get, I can remember getting hit with pennies and batteries during the, the start of that game. Are we talking like a D battery here? Like something something sizable? I think it was a, it was more of like a triple A, like I said, like a triple A battery. <laughs> so get it through the, the mesh netting when they threw it at me. But I was getting hit. I was upset because I had pennies in my crease. I was so upset. I was like, just, I, I was like trying to tell the referee, I'm like, they're, they're melting into the ice and I'm literally standing on pennies out here. Typical, but that, that you know, that was a good spot to play in. Uh, we played at Elmira and that, I don't know if you've ever seen the Elmira rink. It looks like a, like a little spaceship, I guess. If it's the old building, I haven't been to the, if they have a new one or anything, but their old building was like a rocket ship from the outside and like the ceiling and it was real bright. I played at West Point. You know, it's just, you know, those are all cool. Like the different avenues that you play when you're playing college hockey for the four years, it just brings you to some really unique uh, arenas throughout your uh, season. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of a lot of barns in the Suniac that there's no two rinks that are like every everyone is different. But Plattsburgh was like by far like just I mean just off the chart electric. Being so close to Oswego, I know that's a huge game when Plattsburgh and Oswego play each other. They oh, do yeah. the, the whiteout in Oswego, but mm-hmm. Zach, turning it over to you, kind of walk us through your early hockey career and what what led you to Davenport. Oh, it's actually quite a story. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Growing up in Grand Rapids, born and raised, went to Kettle Hills High School, graduated in 08, started every, I think I started every game in high school. That's such a big brat. I know. Like, you started every <laughs> game in high school. <laughs> From there, I went and played for the Junior A Owls in the CSHL, which I'm pretty sure they hold the record for most consecutive losses. At I think like it was 113 or something. <laughs> With about 12 people in the stands. Yeah, just about. So I played there for, I think it was like 12 games. And I think that was like the benchmark of like, if you quit before then you could get half your money back. So I was like, that's it. I'm done here. Like, I just can't do this anymore. So I got half my money back. After playing there, I ended up going to Lansing Community College 
for a semester, was playing there, left, and then I kind of stopped playing for probably less than a year. And then we were playing in a like an outdoor pond hockey game. Guy was coming down on breakaway and he ended up tripping over I don't know, something in the ice and fell on top of me and I'm in my butterfly and my legs didn't kick out. And so my MCL just like tore. That was just embarrassing and it hurt like a banshee. Ended up not playing for, what is it, like six months. I was, what was it? It was a a tournament in the summer that I was asked to play in. So I was like, sure, I haven't played since that happened. I was scared to go down. I'm like, this is going to suck. Ended up playing and literally 10 seconds into the game, two on one, splits across, make a save. And I was just on fire from there. Uh, so we ended up winning this men's league tournament. And so you're like a men's league all-star. Men's league all-star. There you go. Many championships won. <laughs> Don't even drink alcohol either. Exactly. So from there, we actually played the head coach of Davenport in the championship game and beat him pretty good. Uh, and he came up to me after the game and was like, do you want to come be my starting goalie at Davenport? I was like, um, sure i guess i'll go back to school and just to play hockey so i was like all right let's go pretty crazy for me and at that point i was 25 and married for two or three years at that point and freshman back in college so i'm like all right i'm the oldest freshman in acha <laughs> i bet you there's probably some older guys uh, maybe you're definitely up there though yeah so, so yeah, I played uh, at Davenport 15-16 uh, and just played one year there and we ended up having our first uh, boy and so I was like, I'm done. So at least I got to play college hockey, I guess. And so Zach, what was your uh, welcome to the ACHA moment when you got to Davenport? Oh man, I was actually like hurt for most of the first part of the season there. Something with my knee. I don't know what happened to it. I was, I was Zach's goalie coach at Davenport, yeah, so no was. wonder you were so shitty. <laughs> exactly. But no, I was actually four string the whole first semester. Literally the last game of the first semester, we were playing Grand Valley. Greener was like, hey, you're starting on uh, what was it? Saturday. I was like, okay, first game of the year, halfway through already. Went in, I guess, stole the show and pretty much started every game after that the whole second semester i remember that game you were there was like 40 40? like 48 shots yeah or something. i remember that in their barn too and so we'll, we'll take a backtrack here joe walk us through how you got involved with the acha at, at davenport because you were there for a while at this point right i've been with davenport believe it or not since 2005 still with the uh God, old. i know i am 78 birth year i'm probably the oldest guy on the podcast right now <laughs> And when I graduated college, I got a job with uh, DeWalt Power Tools. It brought me to uh, Grand Rapids. Um, That's where I met my wife. I went from literally from New York to Grand Rapids, got moved from Grand Rapids to Minnesota. When I got to Minnesota, I was there for like a year. And I'm like, I I just, I I can't do the corporate thing. I'm more of like, I want to do my own thing. So I ended up moving back to Grand Rapids in like 2004. So I got married and I moved back home from Minnesota uh, like a couple weeks after I, I got married. And when I got back, I was like, man, I want to find a like a local college team because there was no like NCAA teams in Grand Rapids, but there's a bunch of ACHA teams. So I'm like, I- I'm going to find a, a team in the local area to see if they need a goalie coach. Sure enough, uh, Davenport was like having a great season. I contacted the athletic director slash head coach uh, Paul Loudon, who's still the athletic director at Davenport, went in, interviewed, and 
He hired me in like late December. I started in January 2005 and I've been there ever since. It's crazy. I mean, it's, I know the ACHA, ACHA very well just because of the fact that I've seen, I mean, I've been around for so long. I've seen different teams come and go. I've seen different coaches. I've seen different national championship winners. I mean, I've seen guys go on to play pro hockey, whether it's with our team or with other teams and, and just sort of watching. It's proud to say that I've been with it since the beginning of since 2005 because I've seen it grow to what it is today. And I know that you guys obviously uh, focus on ACHA hockey with the podcast. Like I'm proud to say that like to see the programs where they've gone from and where they're at today, they're now nationally recognized by professional ranks, by NCAA D1 and D3 programs because the ACHA hockey is more than just in my opinion, quote unquote, club hockey. I mean, these teams are being ran probably better than some NCAA D3 and even D1 teams. I mean, they're fully funded. Guys are getting equipment, apparel, they're traveling. You know, it's, it, it is a different program than what it once was when I first started in 2005. I feel like I, I, I think Davenport led the way. We are a very strong program in the ACHA in the, the late 2000s, 2008, 2009, when we started to make our run. Like we really, I think, changed the landscape of how teams presented themselves to recruits. We had four national championships in a row at the at the D2 level and one at the D1 level. And I feel like that was like the stepping stone of like how other programs sort of benchmarked their programs moving forward. And now you have Liberty, you have Lindenwood, you have, you know, Ohio University, you have now UNLV. You have, I mean, there's so many programs now that are upper crest programs that are just, they're awesome to play against. I mean, that you go to these, you know, I've, I've had the pleasure to play in Liberty a few times. I mean, you're sitting in six to 8,000 people. And it's just, it's just mad chaos. It's awesome. Like what a, what an environment to play in. And it's, it's club hockey. Like to me, I, I don't think that that's, I, I don't, I don't even like that word because I don't think they, the, the boys, that's not a term that's even really used. They, they, they just play college hockey and it's, it's, it's good quality hockey and guys move on from that to play professional ranks, whether it's overseas or in the federal league or, you know, the SP or the, even the East coast, it's truly like a proud moment to watch our guys go from graduation and moving on to not just like the professional ranks of hockey, but even like more so going in the working world and being a provider. That's the biggest thing as a coach is like watching my guys like be providers and, and getting married and having a family. And they like go back and they, they come back as alumni and they, you know, it, it all started in that locker room. That, that to me is priceless being a coach. It's funny you bring up like the the method about like what it takes to be a good ACHA hockey program because we had a couple episodes ago we had Sean Hogan on and he kind of did a similar thing. Oh, I, I know Sean. I know Sean very well. I mean, did a similar thing at Oakland. They won at the D two level. They jumped up to D one and won a national championship right away. I mean, I, I know Sean really well actually. You know, he's one of uh, my good friends. I've known him, I mean, geez, twenty years almost. I mean, Oakland was the the benchmark when we played them. I mean, they, that was like when we got over that hump, then we like took over as national champions because they were like they were amazing back probably like you know 2005 six seven that's when they had their big runs and then we took over and again those are the programs that like set the tone for the ACHA like to build out from there and then Sean went to Ohio I think he went to U of, U of A as well out in Arizona and then now he's I think he works for like he does some stuff I think for like, yes yes you know those are those are very important people like in the landscape of the ACHA that have put teams on the map that have just grown the sport within the ACHA for not, not just D1 but D2 and D3 that's a staggering number that that just gives an athlete another means of 
moving on to play college sports. I had a conversation. I'm not sure if David was, if, if Herm was there for it, but we were talking with Craig Barnett at Nationals, uh, the executive director of the ACHA, and he was like, the reason USA Hockey loves us is because there's a gap between when guys finish U18s and they finish juniors to when they become men's league players. And the ACHA provides a place for so many more guys to keep playing competitive hockey. Of course. And, and it's awesome for the just to grow the game. But Joe, I want to know, what is a story from your early coaching days at Davenport that probably wouldn't fly nowadays in the ACHA. Talk about how much the league, how much the <laughs> league has changed over the past couple of years. Oh man. I have a lot from the early days. I'm not sure if I can share them or not. The the one thing that I, I do feel like, you know, and I, I like the fact that when uh, like, so I've been with Davenport for, you know, since 05, I, I've been with Aquinas now for going on seven years. And I've also been with Kelvin for, almost eight years now. All those programs, and, and I, I know like obviously Zach at Hope, like all these programs, the way that they run them are like top notch. I mean, you have good quality players that are coming into these programs that are, they're coming to a Davenport, they're coming to an Aquinas or a Hope because they want to further their education, obviously play hockey. It gives them a means to to continue playing where, you know, when I was in playing at Shattuck, I, I all I knew was NCAA. I mean, the ACHA was around, but I didn't really know what that was at that time, to be honest with you. Because I mean, I was so hard focused, you know, AAA, juniors, Shattuck, like to me, there was, I, I didn't really know of any ACHA hockey at that time. And I don't think it was even as big as it is now, because you do have players in the NA that know the ACHA. Obviously, there's some players that come in from the USHL that play on some of these ACHA D1 programs. This past year alone, there were kids from the, the BC and the SJ. They're coming down to play in the ACHA. Absolutely. I think now it's, you know, it, the name's gotten out there. A lot of reputable programs. And obviously, a lot of them are going from ACHA D1 to NCAA D1. Lindenwood being one of them. And I think there's a new one that was just announced recently. I think they're going from maybe ACHA D2 now to NCAA D1, is, if I'm not mistaken. I feel like there's a school out east that's, there's another school that maybe be going. Stonehill College was D2 NCAA. They're making the jump to D1. That's it. That's it. Okay. So they play with like uh, Assumption College and, and that. Yeah, uh, the Eddie 10. Yes. Yes. So I, I feel like with, with a bunch of these programs that, you know, like a Penn State or ASU, that it's cool to see how that has like grown over the years because a lot of those programs see the benefit of going from quote unquote club hockey to moving it to more of a NCAA program just makes sense. And I, I can see now more of like West Coast teams even doing that and ASU sort of leading the way out, out West because there is a need for it out West. I mean, I would love to play hockey in Arizona year round. I mean, that's that's just an unbelievable, not just a college experience, but you're in a hot climate. Like that's, that's incredible. Like living in Michigan and having a negative degree days is just, it's miserable at times. Pushing the bus after you get stuck. There you go. Mm -hmm. To go back on your point, like with, with some of the like good stories, there's always like good stories, but I think I'm more so like a, from a coaching perspective, like I just like seeing my guys like graduate. And like I said before, like moving on to be successful businessmen, you know, at Davenport, we have a big nursing program. So we've had a couple athletes gone through to become nurses. Uh, we have obviously a big accounting department. So we have a lot of guys that move on to, you know, fortune 500 companies or you know, in the, the accounting department. We have a couple players that have moved on to become hockey equipment reps. Uh, with CCM and Brian's goalie equipment. So it's always good to see those guys and just move on into the working world. 
because not everyone's going to play professional hockey, whether it's semi-pro hockey, but to see them be successful away from the rink and like graduate, get a degree, get their master's and move on. Like as a coach, that is the most rewarding thing to see them, you know, achieve family life, you know, like to be like successful outside the rink. And like I said before, just to be a provider at the end of the day. Yeah. And I think Davenport and Hope together, like you see a lot of guys from there and they end up working at Howie's, right? I believe there's a couple guys <laughs> in the Howie's office from, from Davenport and Hope. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then Max, you know, the, the owner of Howie's, he actually went to Kelvin. So there's a big connection at, at Kelvin college with, with Howie's and they're, they're awesome guys. We know them really well just from being in Grand Rapids. And it's just, it's pretty cool to see how they've grown with their business model and the, the things that they've done from not just like hockey tape, but apparel. And now they're getting an athletic tape for football and soccer. Like that's, that's actually their, their other branch that's growing, working with football programs in a national level in the NFL as well is with their um, Howie's athletic tape. So not too many people know that they actually have an athletic line that's actually really big in the NCAA with a lot of these bigger, obviously, NCAA programs, not just in Michigan, but all over the U.S. Like one of our former Davenport players, he's actually the like the head sales rep for the athletic tape division. And it's just like booming just because they have like that branding that just, you know, if you're a college guy, like if that look of their logo just sort of transpires into like just an athlete and they just done really well at beyond hockey. So it's, it's cool to see them growing over uh, like the last few years as they got into that division of athletic tape. A little sidebar, but if, if we're discussing the different avenues that Howie's has gotten into, I feel like you can't neglect mentioning the, uh, the candle. They do. That's like, we actually have one lit right now. We actually have our own candle. We just came out with the, uh, the playmaker. This is our third candle. It smells yep. fantastic. <laughs> so we actually have that lit in our in our studio right now. But yeah, it's 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 pretty cool like to see how they you know they have like the golf club covers, they got the skate blade bag, they have you know, their bathroom bag, they have have they brought out soap? Mm, no, not yet. They're probably gonna no, I've been I've been saying for years that they need a car air freshener. Oh yeah, well, I think I think they do. I think they do. Uh, okay, because I for years they were joking about doing a candle, and then they finally did. I don't know if the they ended up doing the. It smells just like their wax. Like I don't know, the, yeah. their wax smells incredible. Sidebar here, but at the hockey house in Syracuse, we air out the gear in like the living room, so we just throw on a Howie's candle. Get it gets rid of the smell. Zach, we haven't really dived into how you got involved with coaching. Kind of walk us through how you got involved at, at Hope College. Back at Davenport, playing there, he was my goalie coach. He. I remember he asked me to work a clinic with him for bandits and that was probably late 2015 and yep. so I started coaching with him and basically just been goalie coaching every year after that I actually sent out uh, two emails one to uh, a crosstown rival and one to hope I got something back from that team and they're like no we don't want a goalie coach unless a goalie asks for it so I was like all right and then I uh, got an email back from uh, the coach at hope and he was like hey yeah come on out we'd love to have you so I went out there one practice and haven't left so and that was 2017 and ended up getting a ring out of that one that year yeah i mean i feel like the, just the past five six years hope has been on on quite a tear in, in division three and it's funny and you guys probably know it more than anybody else but everyone jokes that like there's a michigan bias in in acha d3 i can't remember who it was at nationals but somebody came up to me after the hope uh central michigan ot game and they're like you see what they say about the michigan bias they're like the best teams really do come out of Michigan. There's no Michigan bias. And I was like, yeah, that was, I mean, that was one of the more exciting games of hockey I've watched in, in a long time. Yeah. So our first time that we won it, 
in, I think it was 18, 1718, I believe. And it was down in Columbus. I'm pretty sure it was us, Oakland, CMU, one other team. I don't remember who it was, but we were all in uh, the final four there. So there were three Michigan teams in the final four. I swear it happens every time. So it's just like the amount of talent that comes through the D3 programs in Michigan or MCHC is it's unreal. It's literally the best conference. Yeah, it was the same thing this year, right? It was uh, you guys, Michigan, Grand Valley State, and then Arkansas was the odd odd guy out. Yep. And what's funny is, so last year, I don't know if you remember the semis when we played Michigan, we were down, I think, three to nothing going into the third. And then we scored three straight goals to put it into overtime and won it in overtime against Michigan and then beat Arkansas. And then this year we played Arkansas and beat them in overtime and beat Michigan in the finals. So it was just flip-flopped. Murph, since it's been a little bit since you've told the story, I guess now might be an apt time to remind everyone how you got even introduced to to Hope College, I believe, in the first place with that national semi-game versus Michigan. Yeah, I, I think this is why like the guys on Hope love us so much. I think this was last it was it was during <laughs> it was during the national tournament. I'm in Syracuse and we got we've got the projector going and we've got two Roku TVs going. We've got hockey TV. So we're, we've got like a D1 game on the projector and then we've got whatever else we can find on the Roku TVs. We were like, oh, this game's in the third period. Let's throw it on. Michigan's lead and Hope College 3-0. And we turn it on. We're like, this place is packed. This place is rocking. And, and at this point, like, this is just when, like, crowds are coming back into sports because obviously they had the, the big crowds in the D3 tournament in Michigan and then same thing in North yeah. Dakota for the D2 tournament. I think Hope <laughs> Hope made it 3-1. to one, And I put on the story, like, must watch game like barn is buzzing three to one Michigan leads late in the third. And this is like when I figured out like we actually had a following because story goes on. You guys end up winning it in overtime and the DMS we got from people being like, I don't know what, like, I don't know what you guys were doing, but thank you for posting that because that was one of the most exciting hockey games I've watched in a long time. And it was all just because like, we just happened to be, we were channel surfing the ACHA basically. Mm-hmm. And we came across the game and, and we, we turned it on. And, and I remember all the, the boys in QC, here because we didn't have a season because of COVID and so we were just watching this game and we were like it was so exciting to watch and then we, we obviously when you guys wanted it over time we clipped it and posted it right away and people seemed to love it I literally go back through Instagram and watch that uh, game winning goal like here and there I'm just like I get chills every time I'm like dang that was so fun and Herm I, I can't remember his name I think it's Tyler right he was on the call for that Tyler Keel oh Tyler yes man. he's a Tyler Keel as well yeah, he's he's yes. outstanding. He does a really good job. I, I want to say he did a few uh, NCAA D1 games this year for either Western or maybe even Michigan. He made some. Uh, mm-hmm. He's making some headways. He's he's doing a really good job. He's really amazing, is. and he's he's a goalie and he's a Davenport alum. I've known him for years. I I actually was his goalie coach when he was about eight years old. So I've probably known him for twenty plus years. It's crazy. He's got a, <laughs> he's got a really bright future in broadcasting and journalism. He does a really really good job. Like he did all like like the articles at Davenport. He would write all the articles. He's like really thorough. You can tell by ho- he's just he's just a true hockey fan. But he just he brings you in when he does his broadcast, whether it's you know whether he's on TV or if he's on. Cause he even does stuff for like uh, like I think at the raceway, doesn't he? At Berlin, yeah. Yeah. So he at a lo- we have a, like a local like racetrack here. He does that with another one of our broadcast broadcast friends they do like uh like funny car like drag strip racing so they like they do announce circle track the circle track yeah. oh okay sorry 
shows you how much I know about racing. But he he definitely dabbles in like a lot of like sports where he's just he's just got a good uh, he's got like a good voice for it and, and a good eye for that. So he's got a bright future ahead. He really does. Yeah, I think we're gonna get him on the show at some point because I remember he because we, we would do like a lunch break during the national tournament. And they'd have all the ACHA staff in one room, and so we'd be eating the meals. And he was telling stories like at the at the table and getting everyone going. And I think he was telling one story about he was he was the backup, but he was also the guy writing the stories about the team. He had an alias where he he wasn't writing the stories under his own name. He had, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but it was like that is just that is peak ACHA right there when you got the backup goalie writing the stories. <laughs> He's writing it with a notepad and his goalie pad on the, on the bench. Uh, that's hilarious. Like hiding it, making the deadline. We've gone this far. Why don't you guys kind of walk us through how second string leather got started? Obviously, you guys are both goalies working together. When did you guys kind of get the gears grinding on, on this project? Well, it starts, I think, from when I first met Zach. So I've known him since he was in high school because I, you know, we had like, uh, you know, our, our Bandits goalie school. We do camps and clinics over here in Grand Rapids. Cause we're, we're from, you know, our, our school's based out of Metro Detroit. But we, you know, with me here, we do stuff in Grand Rapids. And I want to say we were at Walker Ice Arena and he happened to be working there in the spring or summertime. And I also own Mass Marble goalie helmets. I was trying to get him to wear like demo helmet during the spring and summertime. For a couple months, I was just hounding him. And then we just ended up, he brushed me off, blew mm-hmm. me off and kept mm-hmm. wearing his typical sales guy. Exactly. Would you have like an Eddie? Yes. Just was. mangled. The yeah. cage was like flat. I mean, it was just whatever. Bad decision. Anyway, so we just became sort of friends that way. And when he came to Davenport, me being the goalie coach at Davenport at the time, we just sort of hit it off and just sort of kept in touch after his Davenport playing days. And I think it just sort of started off like probably, you know, this has been like I five years now. Exactly where we were. We were downtown for Art Prize. We were like, what if we did? Because we saw something on Instagram and then we talked about it. We were with a couple of the other goalie guys and with our wives too. Mm-hmm. And we were like, ah, yeah. And we we're all talking about it and think about it. And then we sat on it. Yeah, we definitely sat on it for like a year. So it, it was probably like within the last five years, like the, you know, like the idea came up and then we put it, you know, put it to the back burner. The whole story really goes like Zach wanted to, you know, being that I have, you know, Mass Marvel, we have Edge Protect and Piranha Peg with uh, another business partner that I, I, I do business with. Like, so we have our other companies and Zach was always like, hey, I, I want to do something in the hockey world. I want to be involved in the hockey world more. So we just started throwing ideas around. And literally, it was, and the story goes, he like literally called me at like 2 a.m., dead sleep, and was like, I got it. We're going to take goalie equipment and we're going to repurpose it into high-end leather goods. And I'm like, okay. Like, I stood up in bed because I was like, what? I didn't, you know, I didn't really like, I, I was just trying to get my wheels and everything wrapped around the idea, but he literally called me at 2 a.m. I thought something was wrong, but that's the idea that he had. And honestly, it's, it's been a life changer to sort of see how the company has gone from that idea to where it is today, you know, cause we're coming up on our three year anniversary on May 29th to see how the company has evolved from like that simple idea to where it is today, you know, to working with NHL teams, working with Henrik Lundqvist, Darren Pang sending stuff to Kevin Weeks. It's just been really, really cool to see how people have received it. History can be spread and, and enjoyed because it's in someone's back pocket or it's a memory or it's you know their favorite goalie or it's their favorite colors or a deceased family member's old pair of goalie pads that we turn into you know several wallets for their family members. There's a, there's a story behind each piece and that is bigger than what we ever thought. And it's truly something special, honestly, when we give these pieces to people and they open it up for the first time, like their reaction and like they email us right away like, 
oh my God, this is the most amazing wallet that I've ever owned. And they're like, they're proud of that. And to, and to be a company coming out of COVID, honestly, it's because we grew immensely during the pandemic, more so than we ever thought to like give people, I guess, maybe some joy during probably one of the worst times ever. That was a really important to us because we kept our, our company going. We kept our, our employees going. We kept our craftsmen their You know, that their shop stayed open just from our simple idea. Like that meant a lot to us. It made us even grow bigger. And like where we stand today is, you know, we're going, I mean, we've probably done over I don't know, call it 40,000 leather pieces in three years. And, you know, we've worked with the Detroit Red Wings and the Nashville Predators, and we have a couple under other NHL teams that we're working with uh, for next year. It just keeps growing. It's bigger than anything we've ever anticipated. It's also because we have the passion for not just hockey, but we love goaltending. We love the equipment. We're like two kids because we, we just love the gear. So for us, we've taken the gear and just basically made it into a work of art, to be honest with you. Before I get into the question that I had initially come up with in my head, I want to touch on the memories and emotions because Zach, we discussed this on the bench when we met for the first time. The reason I was so excited to hear that you were with second string was that my younger brother is such an avid, avid fan of the company and the brand. And he has a Thatcher Demko wallet of yours that he talks about to everybody, loves it, and is so, so proud of it. So I can at least attest on a personal level how much of an impact the the products have. I guess going back to the original question, though, we were listening to another podcast that you guys did in prep for this and heard that the first idea that you guys had for the business were like hockey puck cufflinks. What were some of the other kind of off the wall ideas for the business that haven't seen the light of day to this point? Honestly, that was probably one of the only ones that really got shot down because since then, like Zach and I work really well together. I mean, we just go. Like, it, it's just crazy, like, how we sort of work well together, how we think. Zach loves, like, apparel, and we've grown our apparel line immensely. We have a lot of new apparel coming out this spring and summer, which is really cool. We're, we're sort of excited to be working with our designer on a few new uh, design mm-hmm. images. I don't know. Since, like, we really started the business, like, a lot of the things that we wanted to do, we've simply done. Yeah. Like, the candle, we have dog collars and dog leashes that look like hockey jerseys. I give Zach a lot of credit because he always pushed me like, we got to have better packaging. We got to have better packaging. We got to have better packaging. It's got to be like, you're buying a $300 wallet. You got to have a $3,000 packaging. Like it's got to look like a million bucks. We probably worked, I don't know, six months on the packaging. Like from where it's, and I just chuckled because we were just looking at the first box that we actually made of our packaging design to where it ended up. It's like not even the same night and day, day, but it's Zach because he's a perfectionist. He's like, nope, don't like redo it. And then we finally came up with our waffle board box that looks like an old vintage 1970s waffle board blocker on a box. And that has sort of like pivoted us into having now two other boxes. So now we have a collection of three boxes, you know, and it comes with a puck and a nice pillow box with the wallet in there. And we got a tissue paper wrapped and there's a thank you card and a brochure and a goalie card and a goalie card and some stickers. I mean, like when you get, it's a full experience. Like when you get the wallet, there's a lot to look at in the, in the box. And I don't know, I'm proud of it. Zach pushed me to, cause I was against it. I was like, I thought like we had like something good that we started with, mm-hmm. but we just went to a whole nother level of their packaging and people love it when they, when they take it out of the but I don't pack. think there was really any other product besides the cufflinks that were like, eh, probably not back to the drawing board. No. 
Yeah, I don't think there has been. Mm-hmm. So we got some other stuff that we're working on and that could lead into our next topic is the golf club covers. Because Zach and I play golf all the time with each other. You know, we're always out on the course and we had this idea about doing golf club covers and bingo, we just did them. So what, what uh, we talked earlier on about now everything's going to be done in-house for the golf line. So we're actually going to, we bought a, a real high-end sewing machine uh, this Christmas. Zach officially learned how to sew. Yeah. So anything's possible. But it's amazing because what we created with our golf club covers for putters and mallets and drivers, it's going to extend the line, but then also go back to that whole custom program of us being able to offer, we have a pair of goalie pads, we can make that into a putter cover or several you know, sets for you know, maybe you and your good friend or your, your dad or your grandpa. I mean, it's just sort of endless. We're really proud of it because I'm more so proud of Zach because literally since December, he's been working on the shape, the design, the stitching. I mean, literally didn't know how to sew, but it just shows you if you put your mind to something, anything's possible. I'm kind of chuckling to myself as you mentioned, uh, I guess the dynamic between the two of you and, and Zach being a perfectionist. I'm sure this might ring true for Murph, just kind of in the way how we go through things sometimes. And you can check the text message logs that we have on <laughs> the ACHA power rankings graphic that we worked on together that went through a solid, I think like 12 back and forth messages. So I, I totally understand the the need and desire to have someone in in the dynamic that that balances it out with a, a real attention to detail. So I'm pretty I feel confident. I'm pretty confident that we talk more to each other than our wives. Well, I'm pretty sure we've had to delete our messages because our phones are too full. That has happened. That's a fact that we had. I had too many photos on you. Like I had two thousand photos. No, I had four thousand. I couldn't. I couldn't download any more photos or send photos because my text log was literally full. I'm like, I brought it to the store. They're like, we don't really see this too often, but your text log is full. I'm like, what? So I, we, I think it was like four thousand photos. I sent in like this time frame, but it, it literally, I couldn't receive images. I couldn't send images. I couldn't send, e- like it just jammed up my phone. That was a first at Verizon. <laughs> and I'll, I'll bring it back to what Zach, because when I first met Zach, I was like, hey, I love your stuff, but I'm not a goalie. So I've never really had any interest in it. And he right away was like, we got stuff for everyone. And uh, I mean, I just took a brief look at your website before coming on, on the call here. But like you guys legitimately, I mean, we talked about how much stuff Howie's have. I mean, you guys legitimately have everything that you can think of as a hockey player that you might want. I think, honestly, I, I would say you guys would be the perfect spot if you are, like need a Christmas gift for a hockey player. Oh, just yeah. pick Absolutely. pick three things from your website and, and your goal. It was Christmas was crazy this year. I yeah. mean, we, holy smokes, we launched our collection 10, which in our mind was our biggest collection ever. Most pieces, biggest names like Grant Fear, Felix Pot, Benud Belfort, Ryan Miller, all in one collection. And I mean, it like it was crazy. We launched, I think we had 380 orders in 24 hours. And like to us, that's a lot. And it just was like, wow, we've created this like animal. It's awesome. Each collection drop gets bigger and bigger. To go back to the point of like, if you're a player, we have obviously player gloves that we've gotten into that. I mean, they sell out just as fast as our goalie wallets because they're smaller and they don't have a lot of branding sort of like surface area, like a goalie pad. The wallets are just awesome. They have really cool verbiage and branding and letters and graphics. The other really cool thing, if you go to our grilling and charcuterie board line, we have a whole kitchen section. And the cool thing that we've really sort of like grown over the last six months has been our our knives. 
So we actually make knives. We have a one of the best blacksmiths. This guy's incredible. He's another perfectionist. I mean, his his work is truly works of art with in the in the knife industry. We've taken like a Bauer stick and a Bauer ice hockey skate blade, and we've made a knife literally out of hockey. Like I mean, the knives are, and you can you can find them on our website. They're just literally works of art. They sell out within seconds of going up. The response has been just incredible just to sort of see like when you hold it and look at it you're like wow this actually came from a skate and a hockey the scales is which they they call the handles is actually made out of like a, an, a nexus hockey stick or a hyperlight and the graphics and the chrome it just pops it's really cool to sort of see that type of idea that we had and i think that all started honestly from us like ah we want to get into jewelry let's figure out a way to do jewelry well jewelry turned into the, the knives and the charcuterie boards and the mm-hmm. bottle openers it just one thing led after another but it's all made from hockey the game that we all love it's just it's all made from that and it's it's truly a work of art and i guess that goes back to even our wallets like every piece is one of one you'll never see another wallet like your brother's thatcher demko wallet. it's like one of one like to someone that's so special because he may like thatcher demko he might like team usa he might like boston college he might like the vancouver connects but there's something in that wallet that makes him not just love the sport but you know he may idolize thatcher demko he may be his favorite goalie so it's like you're proud to like show everybody it's a conversation starter but that sort of goes back to the the perfectionist of like how we've really gone into this whole business model is everything that goes out our door has a story behind it there's a lot of meaning behind it and it's just like you're almost proud to like give it to somebody and sell it because you know that when they get it they're going to be just blown away like that means a lot to us and it has from day one and what uh what wallet did he get uh was it from the team usa pads I believe it was the Team USA pads. Alex is going to be here in like 10 minutes or so. I just was texting with him that I mentioned it, and he's freaking out right now. So he may actually make a live appearance before the episode is over to to chime in with his experience. So we'll find out from the horse's mouth. So Absolutely. Yeah, that's we're super excited to get those pads. I remember when we first bought them, I was was so excited. Like, I love Brian's pads. us getting those, I was like, man, I want to keep a wallet out of that collection so bad, but yeah, it didn't end up doing it, but they were absolutely amazing pieces. I had this question that I'd lined up, but I'll ask it now. It doesn't have to be a pair of pads that you guys have worked with, but I'm assuming it probably will be. As goalies, like, what's your all-time favorite setup? Like, if you could get your hands on one pair of pads to make a line of wallets, like, what what goalie setup are you going to go with? Man. Well, I mean, it's sort of funny you say that because we just, with uh, the Christmas collection, we just had the Felix Potvin cat pads from the New York Islanders. We had, I mean, just an iconic set of Grant Fears pad from the mid 80s from the Edmonton Oilers. Those are like, you just, you just don't find those. We actually had a collector reach out to us from Edmonton to sell those pads to us. We've been really fortunate, honestly, to become really close with Mike Vaughn and some of the pro reps at Vaughn Goal Equipment. So we were able to get into their pro equipment that literally was in boxes for the last 25, 30 years in their warehouse, we were able to basically hand pick it. And that's how we ended up getting some of these like iconic pieces from like the Ed Belfour line, Bob Asenza, the Ryan Miller stuff. Like again, the, the company goes back to like meeting, case in point, meeting you guys, meeting a, you know, Mike Vaughn. 
And we actually had a, like a sit down meeting with Mike Vaughn, like for, I don't know, five hours, six hours. We went to the factory. I mean, he, t- he gave us a tour. He sat us down. We talked hockey. I mean, just amazing to see you know, one of the biggest names in the hockey equipment world for goalies. We were able to get five hours of his time to talk to him. And, and I guess another really cool story is that we actually got some pieces from Ray Emery. So Ray Emery obviously passed away a few years back and we were able to get pieces through our, our hunting of a goal equipment. I think it was a glove and blocker from his time in Russia. Yeah, the purple and yellow glove and blocker. Yeah, with the big polar bear on it. Yeah. It was the glove and blocker that matched the goalie pads. And we were actually able to send, I think we sent a wallet and keychain to his dad and we sent some stuff to his goalie coach um, in Canada. And his dad was like just uh, he was just blown away. He was like, I, I was with Ray when he got these pieces before he went to Russia. And obviously he's since passed, but it's a legacy piece. I mean, really the way you put it is like, it's a piece that has a ton of meaning behind it. When we did that, we were able to, and we're really close with the people at Brian's. Uh, we know a lot of the sales reps there and the manager, and they actually had a pair of Ray Emery goalie pads from his days in Chicago that we were able to get. And we brought that out. We actually did that collection with, it was the, the goalie guild. Goalie guild lift the mask, which is like, uh, I think for, you know, for anxiety, depression, just having a place where an athlete can go and talk to somebody and in, in the time of need, because obviously mental health and anxiety has been such a forefront the last few years with the pandemic. Um, so we were really fortunate enough to work with the goalie guild and Justin Goldman, he's out of Colorado. He has the lift the mask program. And then we were able to do a few other foundations, the Henrik Lundqvist Foundation. And then we just recently did like a cancer foundation launch. And we actually worked with a local Van Andel Institute. Yeah. So it was, it was really cool. So we were actually able to go to the Van Andel Institute. And I mean, they just do world renowned cancer research, medical study. They have some of the best scientists in the world, literally right here in Grand Rapids working out his facility and it's right in our backyard and to actually physically go there and sort of see what they're doing was just like, you're like just in there is sort of speechless because it's, it's so much bigger than him and I. And we're like, holy smokes, like this is one of the biggest cancer research foundations in the United States. It's right in Grand Rapids. And we're able to, to work with them. But as far as pads go, like for ones that would be like iconic for um, you want to find a pair of zach smith goalie pads from your days at kennewood hill i'm still when looking you, for when, those suckers. when you played 40 years straight didn't even give your backup goalie a sniff like, that. i sold them i'm looking at your website like if say a goalie at syracuse wanted a collection of his stuff like he could just send his pads to you guys and you guys give him whatever he wants right yep custom signature series yeah 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 we did That's some really cool. cool we did some stuff i know there was a goalie from air force uh, we did some stuff for him. There's a goalie from uh, Clarkston. Uh, we did some stuff with him. I think of who else, like any college guys. Did one with uh, my Hope goalie. Oh, yeah. Austin yeah. Kane, yeah. The I'm a huge player. Mike Byrne fan. Unbelievable. Mike Byrne pads would be amazing. Patrick Waugh. Like, we've we've been teetering. Like, we've had the opportunity to buy some stuff, like Carey Price. Obviously, we've worked with huge the National Predators. So, like, UC Saros is yellow pads, like. Uh, you know the stuff that's just like the signature of that goalie and like you just like carry price he's got you know he's got his his certain colorways that he yeah. wears it, it's, it would be flurry right now 100 percent flurry like huge fan and we're like, working on that we are working on that so you, maybe for a future collection but some of this stuff is so tough to find because it doesn't get even make it to the public to even like be able to purchase or even like attempt to purchase mm-hmm. we've made some really good contacts in the hockey world and the equipment world and just being in like the sporting world in general that that maybe a player agent or a player representative or just like a marketing rep we've been able to sort of 
navigate and weave our way through to possibly get some of these iconic pieces. I think you're right. I think Mark Andre Fleury would be like his gold set or his like vintage Bucky Brown set. Like those are just. Those are amazing. Or even his yellow set from Pittsburgh. I mean, those are amazing. They got to be somewhere. The flurry yellow pads. I mean, like I said, I'm not a goalie guy, but if I if I saw a flurry yellow pad wallet or something like that, I would for sure jump on it. I'm thinking about it right now. I think we did a Syracuse hockey like Hall of Fame dinner two years ago, and one of the alumni came and he brought his old set of goalie gear and he just donated it to the program. It's like, well, what am I going to do with a 60 year old <laughs> pair of goalie pads? Like, I don't. I should go take a look at them, see if I could send them to you guys. We could do a some sort of Syracuse hockey collab or something. Yeah, there know. you go. The alums would probably eat that up. So in a hockey house first, Murph needed to dip out mid-interview, and we're going to finish this one up with Zach and Joe. It's not just a solo effort from the hockey house crew. We have joining the podcast for the first time in its history is my younger brother, Alex Herman, who I had mentioned he was coming home, and I was like, we're interviewing the second string guys, and this is perfect timing. So I'm going to pass the mic over to Alex and Alex is going to give his experience with the brand and little customer testimonial live in front of us right now. I think I found second string right around the start when they created their page. I don't remember who I saw it through, but I remember one of the accounts that I followed on Instagram was promoting them and they were doing their whole big reveal thing. And I kind of just followed along from there. And shortly after that, I, I can't remember if it was the second collection that they did or the third collection where they brought in the uh, the Demco wallets and all the Demco products that they took from his USA pads. It got to the point where I had saw some stuff that they made before and I, I said I, I had to have some of it. So it was right around the start of my second year of junior hockey. I think it was like late August. I pulled the trigger on a Demco wallet and I've been using it since and I absolutely love it. The craftsmanship is world class. It's held its own and it's just a cool piece of memorabilia at, at this point that you know I get to carry around with me every day. And, and the amount of people that you know, working at the hockey shop that I worked at when I was in Vermont and then uh, working through a couple of different pure hockey branches around the country. It's been something that I've shown off to a lot of the customers who I wind up going to fit for goalie gear whenever I'm working a shift. And it's always something that people find to be really cool. And I can't remember when it was this year. I was actually ringing somebody out during a shift when I was in Michigan and the guy pulled out his wallet and I looked at it and I was like, that has to be a second string wallet. And I like didn't know how to ask him because I didn't want to be weird and be like, hey, did you get that from Second String Leather Company? Just like some random like dude at Pure Hockey. <laughs> but I asked him, I was like, hey, that's a really cool wallet. You know, does that happen to be Second String? And he was like, yeah, how'd you know about that? I was like, well, like I know what a lot of their stuff looks like. And, you know, you also have the stamp on the back that says Second String. So that kind of gave it away too. You know, I wound up showing him my wallet as well, which he thought was pretty cool. And then I got a present from one of my friends. They got me a uh, an Apple Watch band that I wear basically every day. So I got my wallet and then my band that that I walk around with. As far as the products go, I mean, quality is great. Customer service is great. Obviously, I've I've spoken to you guys through Instagram DMs a couple of times. Mm -hmm. It was a while ago, though, but you guys are great. And I really love the stuff that you guys do. It's it's really awesome. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, we do. I don't know if you guys have like done any like follow-ups with the actual wear of any of the products or are curious to find out. But I mean, I use this wallet like every day for the last, oh geez, three and a half years. And it's the only thing I think that's any different 
is that it just looks like it's worn and then the stamp i mean i take it in and out of you know my my pants pockets you know just faded a little bit but other than that i mean we actually have people that send us images the the wear the patina i guess you could say but we've actually ch- changed the the branding and how we brand our wallets since the beginning and now we actually like ink stamp the leather on the inside with our logo and we have have a different sort of like this i think when we first started it was more of like a like a CNC, like a hard plastic stamp. And now we use like a full metal stamp where it's like, I mean, it's so crisp, detailed. Yeah. So it's amazing how, you know, when we start off and like, as you progress and grow, how things sort of change. But it's funny that you say that like people do send us like, Hey, or we've had people like, like we've been at a couple hockey shows or at the Griffins game in the American Hockey League and people come up to our booth and they're like showing us their wallet. I guess when we first started this, we would never would have, never would imagine. And we're lucky enough honestly to have like you talk about the craftsmanship like we're lucky enough to have actually someone right here in grand rapids that does all of our leather work he has a amazing team he does not know anything about hockey that's for sure but since he's met us it just goes to show you like you never know who's going to walk in your back door like you just never know who you're going to meet because when we walked in his shop both of our lives changed i mean really because i mean from a production standpoint we literally keep his shop his team his staff going 24 7 12 months a year for the last three years and it's been amazing to see he's very appreciative of like what we've brought to the table and like our ideas but he's also pushed us to try new things and branch off he's more of an artist that's what i i, I like try to explain to people like i feel like the, the the wallets are a work of art like you open up that thatcher demco wallet and it's got the stars it's got blue it's got white stripes red stripes it, it's not like your typical i think one of the things that i really appreciate and like about the wallets too is that every piece is one of a kind you know there will never be any two pieces of anything that you guys make that are the same because it's it's just i mean it's physically not possible to have that knowledge of saying well you know it's really cool to have you know somebody's nhl game worn pads made into a wallet but on top of that that nobody's gonna have the same exact design but you is really special and just Mm -hmm. adds to that cool factor of saying this is what i got it's and it's pretty cool and that's where the the custom program has really taken off we're actually in the middle sort of in the final stages of our final recording of our video about the custom program that we've been working on over the course of the 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 last year about literally how a piece goes from you know being used by somebody their hockey career ending and then what exactly happens to that equipment this video basically shows we acquire that equipment from the individual it's made into pieces for him and his family and just it's it's again goes back to that legacy piece of being something that's going to be in your life forever it could be almost something that you hand down to a son or daughter or it's just something that you may give to your father or grandfather as a piece of your hockey past and like that we never even thought about that in the beginning it's just something that evolved with our company over the last few years and has grown into i i think the custom program is bigger than what the company stands for it's like sentimental value is huge i mean we make our pieces off our collections but the sentimental pieces that we've created for a boy graduating college and his mom and dad got him his first like adult wallet before he went to college and they got him a keychain for his first car so when he left for college he had his first car one of our very first goalie pads like we acquired from a lady and it was her husband's who since passed and all she wanted because the goalie pads and the equipment sat in the basement for 30 years in a bag she's just i just want a wallet to put on my nightstand so i can remember my husband yeah. because we 
we would go to the ice rink on Saturdays and he played the game he loved. You know, that was his that was his passion. So I'd spend cold winter Saturdays at the rink watching him play men's league hockey. But that wallet signify you know, that's a that's a significant piece in her life because she remembers the good times. And it's just it's just stuff that I never even comprehended nor did Zach when we did this from the start. Like those pieces would have such a huge uh, emotional connection to these individuals. So we're always excited when we send out the custom pieces. Like we have a few pieces we're working on right now for some customers that sort of leaves you speechless. When you send it off, you know that they're going to open it up the packaging. And like we had a girl from Wayne State. She played um, probably back in the early 2000s at Wayne State. That's NCAA D1 women's college hockey. From her goalie pad, she made uh, some tote bags, a couple belts, some wallets, like some catch-alls, some keychains for her mom and herself. And it was basically like a thank you. Like she's since has graduated and moved on. And she, I think she's like a nurse. I think she lives in like Alberta, but it was a thank you like for letting me like chase my dream. Cause like I'm a nurse now without you letting me like pursue hockey, pursue my dreams. I would may have never been able to get here through hockey i was able to get here so these pieces are a way to say thank you and how can you not get emotional when you send those off to the lady i mean it's just it's just cool it leaves you sort of speechless in the, at the end when we do the custom pieces and and one last thing is we just kind of wrap it up I, I think it's really really special hearing about those stories what makes goalie culture specifically so unique and appealing that you can pull a business like this off i know hockey in itself is kind of a, a little brother sport and so niche when compared to to North American sports, but then you you dial into goalie culture. I mean, I can't describe it. The kid sitting next to me probably is going to do a better job of describing it than I ever could. From your guys' experience, what makes it so special? I feel hockey has grown into a pretty big sport and has gained a lot of attention to a lot of new fans, but it still feels so small. And it seems like everybody knows everybody, no matter where you go. And when I think of hockey, I think of family. And it's such a small, family-oriented sport as far as, like, the bonding time that teams have with teammates or the family members and other teams even when they're at tournaments and, and stuff like that. But it's it's a really cool experience like like none other really. But when you really break down the game of hockey even farther, specifically goaltending, I look at goaltending with as a sport within the sport of hockey, honestly. And everything is so different compared to how a goalie trains and prepares compared to like a forward or a defenseman. When it comes to the goalie culture itself, I feel that goalies have a mutual respect for one another. Honestly, only a goalie can appreciate and understand what goes through a goalie's mind and the work and the sacrifice they took to get where they are now. When it comes to their gear, I think, is what separates one from another to show their style or their swagger and express themselves through their gear. Whether that's loud and out there gear or like the paint job on their helmets and me being a goalie and always wanting custom gear and a custom paint job to express myself, I can appreciate a nasty setup. And there are so many cool logos and color combos to pair gear with in the ACHA. 
and you will find some of the nastiest setups in all of hockey in the ACHA. I think because goalies are so specific with their equipment, what they wear, the colors, the designs. To me, I think it's like body armor, right? It's like your uh, your personality is shown through your equipment. It sort of translates into the wallet. Your wallet is sort of like your personality because you can buy a wallet that speaks to your personalities. It might, you know, some might like the vintage style. Some might like the real loud and bold colors. Some might like the crazy stitching. It's just unique and different. And I think that's sort of like goaltending in a nutshell is you're breed all of on your own. Like you're just, you're at times you're by yourself, but then I, like you said, it's like sort of like that team atmosphere, that that camaraderie that sort of creates memories yeah. forever. As a goalie, you're just able to express yourself through your equipment. Absolutely. And your helmet. And, and that's sort of like even like how Zach and I met through hockey. I mean, who would have thought, you know, we met probably, I don't know, 12 years ago. Wow, 17 years ago. Yeah. We're getting old. But it just goes to show you like what hockey can truly do for an individual. You you meet people, you are with a group that, you know, some some help out people get a job, some help you, uh, you know, like meet certain people in your life that change your life. It just hockey's a unique sport. And I'm not saying that it doesn't, you know, it's, it's not better than other sports, but, you know, obviously we're all hockey individuals here. But to sort of see what hockey does, it gives people like an identity. And I think that's what goaltending does. It gives you an identity. And I think the equipment does that as well. Look, don't be shy to say it's the best. We, we all know it. We all know it. This is how our daily, I mean, like I said, like when we go back and forth and that it, it's, it's funny when you meet, like, obviously we've created this business model, but we have some really great people that we work with from our leather craftsman, our web guy. There's just our designers. Like we have a lot of intricate pieces that really make us who we are, whether it's on social media or just when we do our shows and like, I mean, we're, we're perfectionists. So like, we're always going to put like that finishing touch on it that makes it lights out. But we have like a lot of people behind the scenes that don't get a lot of the recognition like we do because we're at the forefront of everything. It's amazing to see how the model has grown and changed over the last three and a half years of the idea to where it is today. It takes a lot of people to make it work and and like we have plans to even grow it to like another step to even go another step in, you know, in 2023, 2024 to, to make it even bigger than we're at today. It literally goes back to that simple idea. And we took that idea and we never really looked back. Well, gentlemen, I think that's a perfect place to wrap up. This has easily been one of my favorite interviews that I've been a part of. Your perspective across goaltending and the ACHA was one that I, I greatly appreciated listening to. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having us.